We'll chat about adventures in bourbon on this week's podcast. Plus, we're going to be interviewing a few local executives recognizing sustainable business practices. I'm David Mann. That was Laurel Deppin, and you are listening to the Access Louisville podcast. Thanks for joining us. Access Louisville is a weekly podcast from Louisville Business First. Each week we bring you the latest news, along with plenty of sharp opinions about what's happening here in Louisville, Kentucky. This week on the show, we have Stephen P. Schmidt. Hello. And later on on the show, we're going to be joined by Shay Van Hoy and guest Scott Collins, founder and CEO of Canopy, and Larry Benz of Confluent Health. But before we start all this healthy, sustainable talk, let's... Talk a little bit about bourbon. Uh, Steven, you've kind of been traveling all around the bourbon world. Not really. You went to Frankfurt and you went to one place. <laughs> all around the down, world. I went, yeah, I went to Frankfurt and I went uh, to, to down the street. Yeah, down the yeah. street. In, uh, uh, that's that's but still a large part of the bourbon world. Yes, so. it is. <laughs> that, that, that definitely is. You probably passed three distilleries on your way to the ones that you uh, visited. So True story. Um, yeah. All right, but let's start with Buffalo Trace. That's the, um, the one in Frankfurt that you were at recently. Yes. Uh, why were you there? And tell us what that was like. Well, I had been wanting to go out there for a while. Um, you know, it is the largest, uh, is the most um, visited uh, distillery in, um, in Kentucky in the bourbon world. And uh, they had been having a media event going on because they, they unveiled a still house, uh, a new still house. And this thing is 80, it's, it's 40 feet tall and it sits in an 87-foot building. And what's interesting about it we have photos you can see on my story that our, our great photographer Chris Fryer took is that they built it to look exactly like the, the old thing and, and they, they built so there's two replica still houses and so they had that event last week and then they also had they unveiled this hard hat tour and so um, Freddie Johnson who's actually he's a third generation employee at Buffalo Trace and he's just a uh, if you never have met Freddie, he's just kind of a, he's a he's quote just a, machine. Is that what you, what you say? He was a quote machine. Well, he's a quote <laughs> machine, but he's just you can tell that he really enjoys his job. Yeah, and uh, he's just such a, a bundle of positive energy. And so he took us around um, on the hard hat tour. I didn't wear a hard hat, but I did wear some earplugs because some of those machines get get really loud. You said the and corn masher was really loud. Corn masher, yes, deafening, deafening. And so yeah. this is something that. They have Buffalo Trace. They know what they're doing. They have several. They have several tours. But this is the first time. This is a 90-minute tour. So most tours are, are hour. This is 90 minutes, and so they they let the media and other other folks just kind of um, tag along for this first one. And so that and then we had a we had a tasting at the end, and and so that was all. Um, it was it was is very nice. But yeah, if you can get Freddie as your tour, then you know that's awesome. I I, I would highly recommend that. Um, but yeah, so so that was that was why we were there, and, and it was um, it was a good time, and and um, yeah, I learned I learned a lot, but it was there was there was a lot there was a lot going on yeah. um, with everything. But well, you know, just to give people some background, if they're not familiar with Buffalo Trace and some of its brands, it's a lot of the really high end brands. Um, oh, it's all part of Sazerac, but an old Rip Van Winkle Distillery, you know, Pappy Van Winkle. E.H. Uh, e. Taylor, uh, W.L. Weller, and that's not as expensive. And then there's Buffalo Trace itself, Eagle Rare, 
some of the antique collections. So a lot of uh, really high-end brands are made at Buffalo Trace. And, and they were doing a lot of work out there. I guess they were doing like a, a big project, like you said. And that's why I guess you guys were wearing hard hats just to... Uh, well, um, I think it's just for like a... They just, I, I think it's more of like a, you know... Um, a marketing, a marketing <laughs> situation, yeah, quite yeah, honestly. Yeah. But the one interesting thing is Harlan Wheatley was there, and he's the master distiller at Buffalo Trace. And he said that the still house was part of a was part of a um, um, four phases. And one of the thing, the fourth phase, is to have an entire new distillery. They kind of just kind of just said that. I was like, I was listening to the you know my recording later on. I was like, I was like, what? what? So, <laughs> so there's probably a lot more information there. Um, but yeah, this 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 still house has been about two years in the making. And they've been doing all these expansion plans, over a billion dollars in expansion there. So it's one of those things where um, if you haven't been out to Buffalo Trace and you're a bourbon fan, go check it out. One interesting thing to note is that all their tours are complimentary. This is very rare. Um, most places charge you money to, to take the tour, yeah. but you can go on the tour. And if you are of age, you can, you can do the, uh, the sample testing. And the highlight of that was taking Freddy's. So Freddy has his own root beer taking the root beer and taking that with the buffalo with the uh the buffalo trace uh bourbon cream and putting that together at the end it was like a little mini uh um root adult root beer float and it was amazing mm -hmm. and I, I can see i can foresee a lot of that in my in the summer as it as we warm up here so. sound yes sounds refreshing uh and then the other distillery you went to just yesterday i think um yes uh, when it was much nice out. yeah, when it was <laughs> nice out, yeah. It's, uh, the uh, the weather's moved in here. I think it's going to be cold uh, for a bit, but um, you know, uh, much closer to home. You went to Heaven Hills uh, West Louisville Distillery, uh, the Bernheim Distillery. That was a much different experience, right? Yes, yes. So I was out there, um, and uh, we had a uh, a situation where. Um, the good folks at Heaven Hill had reached out to me, um, and I was like, "Well, I'd really love to go see um, see the distillery, kind of see how things are made." And so they set they set up a uh, a tour um, with um, my photographer Chris, and then um, with and our guide was Connor O'Driscoll, and he's the the master distiller at Heaven Hill. Right. He's a great guy, and the thing is, is that if you might know it, we went to the Bernheim Distillery where they make fifteen hundred barrels a day, which is a lot, um, and. Um, they don't do tours there. The, uh, the, their their customer facing thing is all in Bar Bardstown, where most of it's aged. Mm -hmm. Now there are seven Rick houses uh, on. They look like apartment complexes, like right next to the distillery. Um, but they do age some stuff here. Um, so they they barrel everything in Bardstown, and then they send some stuff back up. Back up, but most of it is is in Bardstown. And it was just really fascinating to see because um, they they complemented each other really well because. Uh, you know, one time on one hand, like Buffalo Trace, everything is covered in green paint, and you've got pictures and history and everything, so you can kind of like you know walk through it and, and get an idea, like a museum and also a giant distillery. Where this is just bare bones, you know, no paint, just like you know this is because it's, it's not meant for people to walk through. So it's just kind of yeah. and, and Connor was really really kind, really patient in terms of explaining um, everything that was going on and how they make things, and so. Um, yeah, it was it was a very fascinating tour, and um, I was I was very um, grateful to go on it, and I, I, I learned a lot as someone new to the, uh, the bourbon scene. Um, yeah, and, and if you're not familiar with Heaven Hill and and their distillery, uh, basically they were in Bardstown for a long time. Then they had this big fire. I think it was in 1997. They needed a new distillery, so that's when they started 
uh, distilling in Louisville was after that. Now they're building another distillery in Bargetown, and uh, they're going to continue distilling in Louisville because the demand for bourbon is uh, so high right now that they need to. <laughs> so uh, just a, a little backstory fun fact on, uh, on Heaven Hill. And Steve, before you hopped into this beat, had you ever been on any sort of tours like this before? I had for done bourbon or wine or beer. Beer, yes. Um, I had done so. So uh, my wife's a big fan of factory tours. She's in supply chain, so she loves to know. And she's worked in factories, and so she loves to know kind of how things are made and how they're stored and um, all that type of stuff. So we've done a lot of brewery tours, and um, yeah, but I'd never really done the. The bourbon thing, mostly because I've got like three young kids, and that's not exactly they don't they, they don't really like interesting. people yeah. under the age of twenty one, <laughs> let alone you know three kids under the age of seven or eight. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it seems like there would be a lot of things they would want to climb on, but not yeah. being able to. It could be a very distressing experience as a young person. <laughs> I've taken kids on brewery tours, but I think it's a little this is a little bit different of a of a, of a scene in, in the bourbon world. Yeah. Whiskey world. You're a St. Louis guy. Have you ever done the um, uh, Anheuser Busch Budweiser tour? I have. Yeah, it was it was a it was a running joke that I never had done that, but we did that at one point. Um, I will say though that I think the um, out of all the brewery tours in terms of the big ones that people go see, the one I enjoyed the most was in Miller. Oh, oh yeah. In, uh, um, I guess it's are, they, are you allowed to say that being from St. Louis? I mean, I think I can. <laughs> I don't know. No, the I've St. Louis police in, are going to. I've come got family you. in Wisconsin, um, <laughs> so yeah. No, um, it was kind of they had like a Disney vibe to it. Like I think at one point there was like a show and there was like somebody like dancing around like in German stuff. Like it seemed oh, like it you was mean like Disney World. Yeah, not like it was like a, a Disney. Movie. Not like there was a Disney princess. No, <laughs> but like they 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 tried to kind of explain the backstory in like a very um, um, approachable way, I should say. And what I remember the most is that there was a nice like beer garden. After you did the tour, you could go outside and and sit and and sample some of the drinks. And there was a nice big open um, space with like a bunch of picnic tables. And so um, for being a you know a giant beer machine I thought that that was um, that was good and that was one of the ones that stands out to me and I've been I've been to ones at smaller smaller breweries but in terms of like things like hey somebody actually might go go you know if you're in Milwaukee you know check out the um, check out that because um, I, I thought it, it stood out to me so that was your favorite I'd say so of all time I don't know um, like I said, I want to I want to stick with the ones that people might actually know about because I don't want to like name some like obscure some small craft brewery, obscure brewery <laughs> right. in yeah. like, Minnesota and be like, well, well, I don't, know. yeah. So yeah, because anyway. people might make a trip. They're like Steve said, this was the best, so I gotta go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I had done I had done a lot of. It's interesting though seeing, uh, and, and Connor pointed this out. You know the differences and similarities between a brewery and um, and a distillery and just kind of you know because they make beer at a distillery. But it's it's got all the solids in it, and you know it's not it's not anything close to what you think of as um, as a beer in a brewery. And so it's just kind of you know basically you for those who don't know you know you make beer and then you distill it again, and that's how you get whiskey. And that's really a ten thousand foot view. Um, but anyway, it was just kind of interesting to see and even smell. You know, we opened up the we opened up the fermenters, and you could you can smell those beer smells. But you're like, this is not 
what I think of when I think of beer. It's not so. a beer you'd want to drink. It's called distiller beer. Right. You do not <laughs> want to drink it. Um, but it is it is interesting to look at. It's called Michelob Ultra. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> With a lot of chunks. Yeah. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> a, a, a chunky, hoppy flavor. <laughs> you know, I'm going to back as far away from that <laughs> phrase as I can and ask you something else because I don't want to dwell on it. Uh, so Sounds good. Also this week, you had some information about Buzzard's Roost. Yeah. Could you tell us, like, first of all, give us a primer on what it is For and sure. what's going on. Yeah, so Buzzard's Roost is a, um, they they don't have their own distillery. Uh, that's kind of a, um, a story in itself. But at one point, they, I think, were going to, but then things changed. And so so now, though, they, they are a fast-growing brand. Uh, they have 16 proprietary uh, barrels that go with different uh, charring levels and toasting. So charring and toasting are two major um, themes over the last couple of years in bourbon, but they've kind of taken it to a different level um, with some, there's kind of, there's a guy, an independent stave uh, company who kind of has helped them um, create this situation where they, they, they take their, they, they create these really fascinating um, uh, flavors. And they started out with rye, and and then but they also do bourbon and they do a couple other things and anyway they're they're very popular but they never had a physical space and so now they will at 624 west main street um i was told it was going to be sometime in march um well they'll have their grand opening um and so but they don't have a definitive date but that's going to be right there and what would be considered the original a uh, whiskey row on on main street and um, that'll be a neat place because it'll be a, a, a micro distillery in the back where they'll do some experimental stuff, but they'll also have a, a tasting room slash bar. And in downstairs, they'll do a, uh, an education room as well where people will they'll, they'll teach, they'll, they'll get as into the weeds as much as one wants in terms of how enzymes affect wood. And because that's, that's the thing is that they, they're really passionate about these barrels make all these different, you know, like a smoky flavor, a spicy flavor and whatnot fruity flavor and, and so um, they're willing to without showing the secret sauce they want to they want to um, educate people on that very similar into what Bardstown Bourbon Company is going to be doing when they open up their space near the Louisville um, Slugger Museum so yeah. those two I think are very similar in terms of you know they're new kids to the game and they really want to have that um, they, they want everybody to um, uh, be educated on what makes what makes bourbon, and they're both, like I said, have extremely popular uh, bourbon brands. The difference is, is that uh, Bardstown makes their stuff and then makes everybody else's stuff, including uh, Buzzard's Roost. So hmm. there you go. Yeah, Bardstown's gotten uh, to be a really big distiller in Kentucky. So yeah. Um, all right. Well, to uh, switch gears here, we'll talk a bit about canopy certification. I can't remember if we've ever talked about this on the show, Laurel, but uh, you've written about it a couple of times. I've written about it. I'm not sure if we've discussed it, um, but Canopy is this nonprofit that um, works with companies to become Canopy certified. So they have to be Kentucky companies to receive this, and they're judged based on how much good they do. And mm -hmm. good is in quotes because, you know, that's a very subjective It's thing. a very subjective. Yeah, so it, it basically talks about the good that they do to their community and the good that they do to their people and things like that. Yeah. And it also provides, like, a check on those companies. Yeah. So it's sort of like a B Corp, but it's Kentucky-focused. Yes, yeah. So, so a K Corp. 
Right. No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah, we can call it that. Why not? Um, yeah. Yeah. And uh, and then also going to be uh, joining us on the show is um, Larry Benz of Confluent Health. Um, Confluent Health, that's a company you've written a lot about too. Yes. Yeah. Confluent is a company that provides support and kind of like back office stuff for physical therapy practices. Um, so they acquire companies, but they call these things partnerships because these companies still maintain their name and everything. Mm -hmm. Confluent just owns them and helps them with, you know, like the management part. Yeah. All the, all the hard stuff. Yeah. Like, you know, the business part and, and the medical records and stuff like that. I'm right. Sure too, so. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, uh, I, if I remember correctly and correct me if I'm wrong here, Confluent started by Larry Benz, the same guy who started court physical therapy. And that's a big name around. Here. It is a big name around town. Yeah. 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 There definitely seems to be this focus lately on highlighting the goods that companies can do. And it feels like that's a generational shift because I remember like when I was, Growing up, it was like the good a company could do was just make a bunch of money. But right. <laughs> now it's, uh, you know, there's much more like how are we impacting our community, which I think is a great thing. So, yeah, yeah. And I think um, for people in my generation, for listeners who don't know, I'm technically Generation Z. I'm one of the first Generation Z to enter the workforce. So it's all it's all new to all of us. Um, but I think that people my age and younger, they want to know what a company stands for and what the company does both for its people and for like broader social issues like right. the environment and social issues um, before giving them their money. Yeah. And I mean, for me, it's on a much smaller scale. Like if I find out that like, you know, a coffee shop is rude to their employees, I'm like, well, I'm not going to go there anymore. Yeah. Because that's mean. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it is also kind of a problem because there's been a trend of brands saying, sustainably made and they're not vegan and they're not yeah. <laughs> yeah so what what canopy does is they provide a check on it it's not like they're just like you're canopy certified and you're done right there's other stuff that they have to do each year to maintain that right there's plenty of phonies out there as there always have been and uh, people just kind of riding the trend so uh glad to have some of these uh, certification processes out there um with that i'm going to throw it over to shay van hoy scott columns and larry benz uh, thanks for thanks for joining us good to be here thank you great to be here absolutely great i'd like to start with scott um to kind of set the scene on what you know what we're talking about here um how did canopy start because obviously uh, you know, you have other business ventures. Um, so how did Canopy start and what's the purpose of the certification process that uh, that Canopy, um, you know, Canopy oversees? Well, Canopy came about uh, when I was working with State Representative Jerry Miller to try to get the Public Benefit Corporation legislation passed here in Kentucky. And uh, part of that effort was to go across the state and and find people that are going to back that sort of initiative at the state level. So I met a lot of business owners and, you know, really at its essence, you know, I'd been carrying around this value, this belief that, you know, we're, we're, we're in a time where we need to start thinking about businesses as being a strong force for the positive social environmental changes uh, that we need to see in the world. And we need to stop just looking to nonprofits and government to do this. Uh, we think businesses are better suited are at least equally suited to help out in these efforts and that we want to sort of restructure the business model to include uh, taking care of our people taking care of our neighborhoods our communities and our landscape so 
uh, when we were working on getting this legislation passed, I realized that heck, we're we're pretty far along the game here in Kentucky. There's a bunch of really strong, good-hearted business owners that are thinking about this uh, work, that are doing this uh, in their own ways. And I thought, man, what if we could harness that energy? What if we could become the best state for this way of doing business? So uh, we figured out, hey, uh, a nonprofit that focuses on education, certification, and connection will get that done. The certification is that middle part, and that's uh, an online platform we developed over the last two and a half years that guides as much as it does certify companies towards uh, really developing these concepts, operating ethically, operating transparently, taking care of their people, taking care of our communities, taking care of our landscapes. And we really just want to help businesses become better at it because the more businesses that are thinking this way, the healthier we are across our state and the healthier our state is. How did the discussion start uh, between Confluent and Canopy uh, to 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 start this down this process? Um, you know, what what was the first phone call or the first you know I saw you out at somewhere and and where where did you all start the discussion? Well, well, I got Larry backed in a corner and I told him <laughs> that if he doesn't do this, <laughs> Larry, how did this happen? How did this come about? Well, you know, I think a couple of things that was sort of a confluence. Uh, we are confluent, but this was a confluence of things. Um, you know, I remember Matt Thornton and uh, others and a lot of YPO folks were at a gathering at, I think, either uh, Matt's or maybe it was Kent Euler's home, actually. And there was a presentation by Canopy, and it really resonated with me because I had been a big fan of the B Corp movement, um, was very, very interested and becoming, uh, you know, become certified a few years back. I had uh, gone to University of Pennsylvania not too many years ago and received an additional master's degree, and um, had met some of the original folks behind the B Corp movement, and was really, really intrigued by it. And as we started to form Confluence and the other companies or subsidiaries that evolved out of it, we, we were very interested in. It. So we actually pursued uh, the B Corp stuff and realized that we neither had the size um as a company or the resources to really do it the right way it's a very very intrusive process uh, on the other hand what we found is that in meeting canopy um there was a lot of uh you know sort of ores uh, going in the right direction of our rowboat here they're very very specific to the commonwealth of kentucky um, there is a huge effort to make not only kentucky a better work state but a state whose companies are producing extremely good stuff around public good, around ESG, you know, uh, how they operate in a very much more holistic, uh, sustainable way. And we felt that the combination of canopy certification was not just good for us as a company, but also was a movement that we could be proud of uh, for the state of Kentucky. Great. Um, and could, Scott, briefly, could you just tell uh, our listeners, um, you know, obviously B Corp certification has become, you know, important as well. Um, could you just talk about like the difference in what Canopy is doing or or difference or overlap and and what being a B Corp certification means? Yeah, we're, we are not in competition with B Corp. I'd say we're running hand in hand. I like to think of us as an on ramp to B Corp. The, you know, the, the issue with B Corp is, you know, it, it holds to the, the high standard that it represents is extremely valuable. There is no question. 
The problem in this market is that there was a tool, there was a, it lacked a tool to get people towards that, that, that it's it's tough to get to that standard. And I know uh, my for-profit business is a B Corp and it took us a long time to do that. And that, so the idea being, think about the fact that, that the B Corp's been around since 2008, 2009, somewhere around there, and there's nine B Corps in the state of Kentucky. You know, we launched this platform four months ago. We have 14 certified company and 90 uh, plus in, in the platform. And the reason for that is because we've developed something that is by Kentuckians for Kentuckians, that is as much of a guide as a, t- a tutorial, as a way to connect, a way to create energy for companies thinking this way within our state as it is a certification. And it was built that way intentionally. Uh, we're an on-ramp. In phase two of our development for our platform, it's gonna be kind of cool. We're gonna have inquiry points that where the submission that you have to do, the upload that you have to do to satisfy that inquiry point may serve in the B Corp certification. We're gonna have a marker on that question that says, hey, if you're thinking about B Corp, put this in a folder somewhere because it's gonna be something you can use down the road. So uh, definitely not competition, uh, hand in hand. Love to see B Corps grow in the state of Kentucky. Uh, well, uh, that, that kind of brings us to the end of our time. Uh, uh, Larry and Scott, thanks so much for joining us. I'm uh, Louisville Business First Editor Shay Van Hoy, and this has been an Access Louisville Executive Interview. Well, that is all we have for you guys this week. But before we sign off, we'll go around the room and share where our audience can find us on social media. Steve, starting with you. Yeah, so I'm on uh, Twitter at Steve. And you can find me on LinkedIn under um, uh, S.P. Schmidt. And David? You can find me on Twitter under my handle, dman3001. I'm also on LinkedIn under my real name, David A. Mann. I'm on LinkedIn under my real name, Laurel Deppin, and on Twitter at Laurel. And if you like what you heard this week, please consider subscribing to the Access Louisville podcast on popular podcast services like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Radio Public. Thank you, Steve and David, and thank you guys for listening at home, and we'll see you next time.